Good morning. What a beautiful morning, isn't it? Did you enjoy the snow this morning? No? <laughs> Florida seemed good about now? Well, I enjoyed the beautiful blue sky today. And I enjoyed the snow on the trees. And I enjoyed the sensation of driving over it down my driveway, which is waiting for me when I get back. Welcome to January in New Hampshire. Thank you for your welcome today. Thank you, Pastor Jeff and Catherine. Thank you so much to the board for inviting me to come and preach today. It is a great privilege, and I, I do feel like I'm home from home here. And thank you for your kind support of uh, your little sister church in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, which appropriately for uh, Pastor Jeff's worship series is called Christ the Way. And so many people emphasize the word the in that and the exclusivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's right, and that's fair, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, but I've always meant to emphasize the word way. And I was hoping, and some people sometimes get this, uh, that the name of our little church would remind me that Christianity is not something that we do, and it is not a coat that we put on, or a scent of mental ideas that we have to give assent to, like a, a creedal statement. And it's not even a way of sort of behaving, but it is, in fact, a whole way of life, completely integrated. And I think today's scripture invites us uh, on the next step of the way of Jesus, which is the way of love. So if you have your Bibles, and I think it's going to be up on the screen, uh, we have this passage in the Gospel of Matthew that we're journeying through. In chapter 4, no, I beg your pardon, yep, chapter 4, and it's the beginning verses. And it follows on completely from uh, the scripture that Pastor Jeff talked about last week so well. In Matthew's narrative, Jesus comes up from the waters of baptism. The heaven is opened. The dove of the Holy Spirit has descended upon him. The Father's voice has affirmed him. And then without any further details, we change scene. And we're no longer in the muddy Jordan but we're in a hot, stony, arid, treeless, grassless, vast wasteland and wilderness. And I'm going to read from the NIV today, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Would you hear the word of the Lord? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the, temp the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, 
he said. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command, command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen? So what do you make of that? What do you make of that? Any suggestions? What struck you today from this extraordinary piece of writing? You can shout out. I don't mind. Say again. With God, all is possible. Amen. Thank you. Good message. Anything else? He stayed focused on God and God's promises. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. What else? Jesus was tempted so that he knows what it is to be tempted. He can join in our experience and empathize with it. Yeah. Thank you. Over here. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? The very spirit that just ascended on him as a dove said, right, plan B. Off we go. Or part two, I think. Off we go. Yeah. He does. And is perfectly able to misquote it, misapply it, and construe it out of context. There's a great sermon series right there. How to misuse scripture well to defeat God's purposes. By the devil. Thank you. Yes. Yes, isn't that interesting? The rightly proclaimed, rightly used, in context word defeated the wrongly used word. Wow. You could uh, get into some church history there, right? Thank you. Yeah. What a, this is great. I don't even need to preach this morning. Keep going. What else? Ah, oh, now there is where I want to dwell today. Thank you, Serena. Satan was testing and trying to unravel at the ends Jesus' sense of identity and who he was. Beautiful. Thank you. What else? Oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? He's just a counterfeiter, right? He can, he can give a second-grade merchandise. Actually, it's not even that. All right? It's like the fake iPhone, you know, that's, <laughs> that you know is going to last you two weeks instead of whatever the most super-duper iPhone today is. Yeah, lovely point. Thank you. Good word. 
What else? There's so much in this passage, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Word has all the answers, and we can live on that for quite a long time. Well, I wonder what it is to live. Maybe that's at the basis of that question. What is it to be really alive rather than just existing for so many years before expiring? Huh. Interesting stuff. The theme tune of our little church in Manchester, and uh, we, we sing it almost as a mantra sometimes, is Seek Ye First. You know the song? Seek ye first the King. And that second verse, man cannot live by bread alone. It's a good word. Thank you. Wow, you've seen so much. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight today? Isn't this a multi-threaded weave, and we can lift up individual strands and see them and apply them? This teaching really is laid out in a kind of Hebraic, uh, Midrashic way. Uh, What Matthew is trying to say to us at this point in his gospel is, I am establishing the fundamental precepts of the Christian message. And his readers, the first readers, didn't even know it, but there's like the Sermon on the Mount is just about to arrive for them. But before you can even hear that world-changing words of God coming from Jesus' mouth, you have to know who this person is. And Matthew is establishing that in these early chapters. And we can sit under this teaching here in Nashua in the 21st century and recontextualize exactly the same truths. Why? Because human nature hasn't changed one millimeter, one angstrom, one smallest amount over the last 20 centuries. I bet if we were all able to go out to lunch together and I could really get to know you better today, and if I heard the themes of what you were struggling with and what you need to be victorious in in the next 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 years, it wouldn't be that different from what I am too. There's a sort of a common shared experience of human challenge and brokenness that we all share. Would you agree? And if we were to just look at that, because God does look at it all the time, all the day, in our hearts, in our relationships, our marriages, our families, our friendships, our businesses, our churches, our society, good Lord. What a great word this is, by the way, Pastor Jeff, for you to lead us in the way of Jesus. In New Hampshire, in a year in which we have the primaries coming up, it's like every four years we go through this collective anxiety (laughs) where you just know it's coming. It's like winter is coming, right? (laughs) And everyone's going to fall out with each other. We're all going to hate each other. 
because people who are on this side of whatever question it is or that side of whatever social issue all have to claim their ground and point their finger and say rude things about the other person. And we just have to, uh, I just love the year after the presidential elections best. It's like one good year out of every four where we don't feel it necessary to draw lines and point fingers and feel badly and be polemic. But I wonder what God makes of all this, by the way. I wonder which year is his favorite year out of the four-year cycle. Jesus was given three gifts at his baptism. Pastor Jeff touched on this last week, and I want to remind you what those three gifts are because they correspond to the three temptations of the devil, which in turn correspond to three great challenges that we have. And if we can connect those things together, I think we'll get the best blessing today out of this word. So here we go. The heavens opened over Jesus. What a gift from his uh, fellows in the Godhead. Secondly, the Holy Spirit descended on him, and it was said that it looked like a dove. I have no idea what that really means, but I like it. Thirdly, words of identity and affirmation were spoken over him. You are my son. In fact, it's not even in Matthew's. It's a proclamation for others to hear. This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Words we hope to hear at the end of the story being said at the beginning of the story. Pastor Jeff really lifted that up for us. What does it mean to have the heavens opened? Where was Jesus from? Heaven. Well, that's my home, Jesus must have said. As he put his feet on the earth where his blood would be spilled a hostile environment which does not feel like home, a place of deep brokenness, sin, disconnection, and loneliness. And in this place, he needed a reminder of where he was from. We see that at other places. The God the Father and the Holy Spirit just said, remember, you're in the mission field, but this is not where you're going to be always. You're not from here, remember. This is not your home. Heaven is your home. And your job is to create this thin space, as the Celts used to say, where the clouds can part and you can see that heaven is, in fact, always connected to earth. And at the end of the story in Revelation, what do we get? A new heaven and a new earth integrated together, seamless, without a break between them. Wow, there's a beautiful message. Hold on to that. Your identity as those who have bowed the knee to Jesus have walked through the waters of baptism and take his name as Savior and trust him. Your home is in heaven integrated with earth. It's not on an earth disconnected, separated artificially by broken relationship from heaven. If we as people can affect our communities and our relationships, it's when we live like heaven and earth are one. 
Perhaps that's enough for us to walk away with today. But wait, there's more. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. We're not in this alone. I love the Trinity. It's so bizarre and difficult and complicated to explain and live with, and yet it's the very heart of our religion. We have an unfathomable conundrum at the heart, the personhood of God, and it's great that we notice there's intrinsic community in in the Trinity because we are made for connection and community and relationship. And life has no meaning except when we're in, held in a web and context of meaningful, nurturing relationships. It's where we thrive. That's the soil we're meant to be planted in, healthy relationships. Our Father. Hmm. And so the Holy Spirit came to live within Jesus. He was always there. We can theologize about that. But in some fresh way, he was given a reminder, wrapped in the wings of the dove. There's no metaphor to talk about this. He was within Jesus all the time. Not just for comfort, not just for companionship, or those two things are very important, but also for empowerment. When the humanity of Jesus would have struggled to get through an event or a day, I think it was the Holy Spirit within that gave him the energy to push through and to know what to say and what to do. Thirdly, the word of affirmation. What a love language that is. <laughs> the uh, unexpected blessing of you're okay and you make me happy and you please me and I delight in you and you didn't need to even ask for it. You don't have to earn it or deserve it. You are loved and when I see you, my face breaks into a smile. Which one of us doesn't need more of that in our lives? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Can you imagine that breaking out in a presidential debate? <laughs> wow. Glory. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Even soon, come, Lord Jesus. So with these three gifts, Jesus steps into his ministry. And he does something that the early church fathers and mothers did when the church became icky and tied up in worldly stuff and persecution. They did the most radical thing. They headed out into the desert, not to become separate from the church, but to pray for the church. And Jesus took a retreat. He did it a lot. He did many retreats when his circumstances couldn't allow. Now, you probably can't take 40 days off work. I don't know about you, but I sure can't. So I can't go heading into the desert for 40 days. So what does this passage have to do with me? Well, we can read it metaphorically. 
in every journey, you need to get ready. Amen? You need to prepare. So we're on the way of Jesus. We know who our Father is. We know where our home is. And that's the place we're trying to get back to. And we have God's presence for companionship. And now the next step of the journey is to simplify. Get rid of the junk. Drop the excess baggage. And reduce our focus. We are limited as human beings. We can only do a few things well. If we try to do ten things, we'll do none of them well. But if we have one thing to do and we can focus on it exclusively, we'll achieve it. The most successful people in business, the most successful people in any institutional life, the most successful scientists have one common thing in mind, laser focus. They can eliminate all else and make all else serve their one purpose. The way of Jesus is so radically life-changing because it invites us to do just that. Now, there's a million ways of living it out. There's lots of parts of the body. But what is your one calling? Have you figured it out yet? And if you have, are you constantly monitoring it to stay on track and on focus. God is inviting you, I am utterly convinced in this, that every single person in this room is called of God, missioned of God. Now, again, if you want to give me another hour, Jeff, I can really get into this. What energizes you? What brings you peace? Sometimes our peace moves and we have to follow it. And here is really the metaphor I want to pick up on today. What are you hungry for? If we had all could just take a moment, this is just a mental exercise, rhetorical, but if you want to actually do it, it's up to you. There's probably room on the edge of your Bible if you write in pencil. And you could write down, the thing I most want for my life is dot, dot, dot. I challenge you as a discipleship exercise to do that sometime this week. Carve out 20 minutes and write down, my mission in life is dot, dot, dot. What are you most hungry for? Share it with your pastor, your pastors. Wouldn't that be a wonderful gift to them? to pray for you and help you in your mission. With great British understatement, Scripture says he didn't eat for 40 days, for 40 nights, and then he was hungry. <laughs> I love that. And he was hungry. Satan is the father of lies. He is the liar. Even his name means uh, liar. And he told Jesus, three lies. He's good at this. And you can connect it back to Adam and Eve, right? It's funny how food was involved in both of those. I can really resonate with that. Are you hungry, Jesus? 
Just imagine that nice, warm, wafting smell of bread. Oh, just imagine it breaking. Ooh, see the bread tearing apart. Sniff that, get it? Ooh, that's really good, isn't it? Bet you're hungry. <laughs> Bet you could just say, hey, stone, turn into bread. And Jesus could have done that. In fact, I think he could have done better than bread. Good bread's really good. Just like he said to Eve, pretty good fruit on that forbidden tree over there. Looks pretty tasty. Little did he know he was talking to the bread of life. I mean, duh, this is the most amazing thing. Jesus is the bread of life. And he's saying, fancy some bread? I mean, what don't you get, Satan? Do you need some comfort today? you need some good bread? How about a bread bowl full of good chicken soup? Sounds pretty good on a snowy morning, doesn't it? Jesus says, I am so connected to my Father in heaven. I've just had the heavens opened. God's come to live in and with me, and his smile and his voice is all over me. I am so connected to God, I don't even need any other bread. Later on, Jesus says, I have food to eat you don't even know about, he says to his disciples. Interesting. Lie number one. Lie number two. So, you can have glory. I have glory to give you. Why don't you come and see and have this? Oh, no, it's the, the foot on the stone. This is about dependence. Do you find safety and connection? This is the same lie as, does God really love you? Would you like to test it? Jesus says, I don't need to test it. He actually quotes the command, do not test the Lord your God, but when he really unpack it, he just doesn't need to. He was able to rest in God's love and approval. That smile, you are the beloved of the beloved. And then thirdly, would you like some glory? Don't need it. I've already got my mission. I'm on mission. I've got my laser focus. I know my way home. My mission, Jesus is thinking, is to reunite heaven and earth by clearing away everything that stands between people and a healthy, reconnected, nurturing, life-filled relationship with God. Henry Nouwen distilled it in this way. He says, there are three lies in life. The first is, I am what I have. The second is, I am what I do. How many working men fall into that ditch? Third, I am what other people say or think about me. Those are three pretty good lies, right? So here's the challenge. Which of those three do you believe today? Which three are shaping your life instead of the truth? Do you actually believe that you are what you have? He who dies with the most toys wins. Do you believe in possession for your safety and security? Money in the bank, nice house, job, family connection, prestige, name, tenure, whatever it is. I am what I do. Really? What happens when you become completely unproductive? 
old and useless, or disabled, or too young as a baby to be of any use to anybody. Do you have less dignity at those stages of your life? The world believes so. The world will absolutely believe so. And the third lie, I am what other people say or think about me. (laughs) Do you remember that time when Jesus said to his disciples, they're all leaving, do you want to leave too? I've been talking about this weird eating flesh and drinking blood stuff. You're not getting it yet. You're not hanging in there. You want to go? There's the door. And plenty of them said, yeah, I think I'm leaving. Did it knock Jesus off message? It probably knocked me off career a little bit. If I came to church, there's one person in my church because the rest of them said, I'm done with this. I would want to oh, go, am I in the right job? There are times of adversity that test us. Would you agree? So let's bring it home. Are you getting simplified for the journey? Would it be healthy for you to spend some time in a stony, dry, and arid place getting simplified? Refocusing on message. Adversity can do that. I can assure you working as a hospital chaplain that unexpected and unforced illness can be a wonderful way to retreat. You get really in touch quickly with what's important in your life when you're not sure if it's going to last another few minutes. Not in an easy way. But it's wonderfully clarifying. Suffering can be wonderfully clarifying. Hate it, but it can be wonderfully clarifying. Can anyone say amen? Mm, Good, I'm not alone. Thank you. And do you want to set aside these three lies? The lies of Do you understand your identity? And can I sell you a false version of who you are? Or do you really believe that God profoundly, powerfully loves you? Despite all of your complicatedness and nonsense, there's no shame that will separate you from God's powerful love. None of your secrets, none of your past can ever stop God from just delighting in you. I think it takes about a lifetime to believe that. I'm working on it. How about you? Secondly, Unrelated to your usefulness and how good you are at what you do, God approves of you and will use you. There are no worthless people. There are no useless people. Do you really believe that? Because there will come a day when you're no use to anyone else. (laughs) The flu can do that for you. (laughs) And yet even then, Jesus takes pleasure in you. God the Father smiles upon you and the Holy Spirit delights in and with you. If you don't know that, 
there's going to be parts of this journey into Jesus that are going to be tough for you. And finally, will you live forever in the bliss and the harmony of connection to God? Not shaped by a scary or a dangerous world or any of its lies. It's a simple message, really, but a powerful one. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, having rejected three great lies. He knew who he was. He knew why he was on mission. And he knew that God took pleasure in him. He didn't have to achieve everything perfectly. I think he did, although I think he was very adaptable. Jesus was clever with his politics. He sometimes didn't go where he was planning to go. He sometimes had to rearrange his plans. He sometimes stayed out of certain parts of the country where it wasn't safe to go. Even that's where he really felt he ought to go. He was adaptable. He dodged and he weaved. And if the living Son of God incarnate in human form has to do that, then guess what about you and me in the coming year? We're going to have to zig a little and zag a little just to get through what's coming. But that's the nature of the way of Jesus. Adaptability is a holy virtue. And not being knocked off message, keeping the main thing the main thing. May I pray with you? Would you join me in prayer just for a moment before I hand this back to Pastor Jeff? Lord, it seems odd to read about deserts on a snowy day. But Lord, sometimes our dry places are within us. So God, I pray that despite all of my arid places where my feet stumble on the rocks, would you come and be with me, God, in my desert places? God, I need you to smile over me when the going gets hard. I need you to speak words of love into my life when I feel worthless and useless, when I keep getting it wrong and I can't seem to get it right. I need you to laugh with me and be in this mess with me. Lord, I need to know where the end goal is. Renew my purpose and my vision, my sense of finding meaning in my life. Make me an agent of integrating heaven and earth as they should always be. Walk with me in this garden, Lord, this weedy garden, poorly maintained. Make it for me a place where we meet. May this be the prayer for Christ the way. May it be the prayer for Community Chapel. May it be the prayer for New Hampshire and the United States and the world you love. 
to your glory, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Eddie, for that good word today. What a good word. On the way of Jesus, we find our way in the wilderness. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you for this good word. And we pray now, Lord, that as we go from this place, we pray that we will live forever by the bliss and grace of God, that we would not be shaped by this scary world, but rather we would be on the way with you. We would live this way with you as we trust you, as we place ourselves in your hands. Go with us, God, by your spirit, reminding us whose we are and who we are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Greet one another in his name.